by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. So, first and foremost, thank you, Tamika, for being with me. I would normally ask you how you're doing, but I know you got a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot happening. I've been, along with my team, at Until Freedom uh, in on the road, first of all, for a week. We've gone from incident to incident to incident where black folks have been killed by police. Um, and that we started in Louisville, Kentucky, traveled from there to Indiana and in Indian, in Indianapolis, there were three people murdered by police in 24 hours, including a pregnant woman that a cop ran over. And so we visited a family, one of the families of the three there in Indianapolis. And then when uh, we heard about what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis, we decided to drive all night and continue to come here. So we've been booking a flight, canceling the flight, trying to go home, can't go home, extending the rental, to, you know, back and forth, back and forth, ping-ponging until, you know, now. And so um, it's, we're definitely tired, first of all, um, need new clothes, number two, just on some real stuff, you know. <laughs> and then lastly, um, you know, we put it all on the line here in Minneapolis, and so have the people, so have the, the local folks. They really have uh, shown that there's an uprising happening across this country, and now we see that people are, are moving everywhere. Well, I just want to say, you know, from my standpoint, thank you for all you do. Um, you are a dear friend who I've known for many years. You have been consistent. Your love for our people never stops. Your Your friendship but many of us in the movement never end. So I thank you for that. And I just want to get to it. Today is actually uh, World Environment Day. So uh, whatever that means to you, happy World Environment Day. Um, happy World Environment Day. <laughs> and I, uh, I actually want to just speak, because you're speaking, there's a number of people. And I want this conversation to really speak to those in the environmental movement um, who, who are trying to also get involved and, and, and understand what their allyship um, means to be a part of this movement. There have been some amazing new groups that have come up, like the Sunrise Movement or Zero Hour or Extinction Rebellion and many others. Obviously, Hip Hop Caucus is, is obviously a bridge. You know, we've been doing this work since Katrina. Um, but to speak to those, to this movement, who um, a lot of them are um, of a lighter hue, to speak to them, what would you want them to know about this moment? Well, you know, I think that the place that we are at and this particular moment in history is, it's not so much different because, and I always caution us younger folks from presenting as if we're doing something new, right? The movement is ever-changing, yes, but it's really just an extension of many movements that have happened before. And I think what has been important in every single movement, and when we specifically think back to Dr. King and what happened in the civil rights movement, and then even just recently with Black Lives Matter, when they first kicked off, it was really important that people who wanted to be allies 
understand that allyship sometimes can be um, more problematic than, than, than what we would like, and that there's really another term that is more fitting for what is needed when you're in a state of emergency, and that is accomplices, right? That is what is needed. It's people who are willing to sacrifice just as much as you from a non-judgmental perspective, not trying to silence the voices of those people who are speaking, not trying to get in front of us, not trying to uh, center yourselves as an ally, but really finding ways to allow those people who are directly impacted to be at the center of the discussion and then providing all the resources and support and a wall of protection, if you will, around the movement. You know, I saw, I think, a post this week on Snoop Dogg's page where uh, he was talking about a group of white folks who put a barricade in front of black activists in between police. And that is what an accomplice does, right? Allies, unfortunately, can be people who are calling, giving you advice on what you need to do, you know, and, and being sort of problematic in the ways in which they partner. And so I've found from working on the Women's March and other really big movements, that that word, that term, if, if people are not really, really clear about what a strong ally is, it can be extremely problematic. And that instead, we have to move in a moment like what we see happening in America to a movement that is more, that is more about people who are willing to put their bodies on the line or their money on the line. And the money that, that, and again, back to the allyship piece, right? And you know this, uh, Rev, mm-hmm. on the money side, I don't need you to give me the money and then tell me what my movement is supposed to look like. And sometimes allies do that. And so, you know, uh, but instead, the accomplice says, we got to get things done. You know better than me because this is your community. This is what you've been working on all your life. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and support your vision and help you to do what needs to be done. And I think, you know, lastly, I would say, you know, who are you being an ally to? Oftentimes, folks go out and find groups and organizations that look shiny or that they, you know, know about from their friends and their safe club that they work in. And they are afraid to, to really put pedal to the metal to work with some of us who are not as sexy, but yet we're out here getting real ish done every day. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that can also be difficult. So when you think about the gathering for justice with Carmen Perez and Arc of Justice with Kirsten Foy and, um, uh, you know, Brittany Packnett and Brittany Cooper and the list goes on and on of Philip Agnew and people who at times, can be uh, considered controversial, those people and groups need support that we are not in a place where we can just be safe in our relationships to get the work done. So, so I want to come to that in a second. I want to, that's actually an important piece because the environmental movement has a lot of infrastructure and a lot of resources. And I actually want this conversation to be something that begins something. I think a lot of them are watching and they need, they have resources, um, and so they need to connect here. And so we're going to have that, I want to talk more about that in a second, but there was a question, an article that came out 
from a young brother actually who's actually in Minnesota. He actually works for the Sunrise Movement, um, Matthias Lehman. And he wrote an article, and I'm just going to give you just the title of the article and let you respond to that. But he simply just said that the climate justice movement must oppose white supremacy everywhere by supporting the movement for black lives. Um, is he right? And what does that mean to you when you hear that? I think that every movement has got to... Listen, here's the thing. Until Black Lives Matter, every other movement that people are talking about is going nowhere. Because at the core of this country's original sin is racism and the oppression of particularly Black people. And so you could be working on climate justice, health, care, education, you know, whatever, beauty industry. And the disparities will always come back to what's happening to black folks in that particular movement and how helping to strengthen the black community and, and, and being a part of the black power struggle will elevate the entire movement because the all lives matter theory that if we, and, and that was one of my issues with Bernie Sanders, right? I like Bernie, probably would have, well, definitely would have voted for him, sort of between Elizabeth and Bernie, right? But one of my issues with Bernie was, I need you to be much more specific and show me that you are very clear on your policies through a racial lens. Mm. And I need you to articulate to me specifically how every single one of your policies will impact black people. And yes, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I am much more such as you capable of reading between the lines. So certainly I know that much of what was being presented in his platform were things that are, would have, would have, um, and can positively impact our community. We're, we're not stupid. We know that. But when a leader either chooses to, fails to, just can't articulate it in a way that makes me feel understood, heard, and seen, it scares me that when you take position, you become someone who believes that I created a program for everyone and therefore Black folks should be somehow benefiting from it. That has never worked. And so I understand the brother's point that the, the climate justice movement and every other movement has to focus on the most marginalized community, which you do every single day in the hip hop caucus, where you focus specifically on what's happening to black folks. And that does not mean that it doesn't also extend itself to the greater community, but we are always at the center of the most challenging problem. No, and and that's and so that's such an important point, and thank you for that. And so, if if I need to, I know following this as we've had before, when they a lot of times when they see black bodies and black people dying in the streets, literally like dogs, there's usually this response, particularly from white progressives, to be uh, heartbroken and to be and to want to come out, and then it goes away. And then the minute we start having these conversations. Um, it's amazing. It's almost like uh, race continues to be the tripwire 
for the progressive movement. And so what I guess for me to you is this, I want that you to have, I'm, I'm setting this up so you can have this conversations in and with a lot of these organizations. But what I don't want is for them to literally go back to, um, it's a diversity conversation. So I kind of want you to speak, I want you to speak to them because we, we've had this conversation. You should know there was a, a report that was done called Green 2.0 in which literally um, a lot of these organizations that we have, we, they have over 10 or more who have an annual budget of $100 million or more and literally 90% or 80% of their, their teams and staff are predominantly white. They're not black, they're not red, um, um, and they're not brown. It's like 90%. And then this amazing study from Green 2.0 came out about a couple of years later and it got worse. Like it literally, like they literally got, they found more. And these are like folks in New York and in DC and San Francisco and the Bay. They got wider in black cities. It's, it's amazing. And so it's sometimes we need to have that conversation and how they, and, and how they are literally getting, literally. I mean, I don't, I, sometimes I tell people the amount of resources they have, they're like, wow, $100 million, $125 million is their annual budget. So we, I don't want to deal with that aspect of it, even though that's an important piece, but I want this piece to be like for you in your position now with Until Freedom, I need you to really speak to like how we can break the silos down within the progressive movement. So if I can put you, yeah. if they are listening to you right now, which they are listening to you, and say, Tamika, how, do, how, can, how can we truly break down the silos in our movement so that race isn't the tripwire for the progressive movement. Well, first of all, you the preacher here. You know I ain't never I have never walked on water, sir. So I don't know why you're asking me a question that is so deep, 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 deep. It takes hours and days to deconstruct what is systemic racism in every single pocket of American culture. That's in philanthropy. That's in progressive movement. That's in a uh, liberal movement. I mean, progressive spaces have been, uh, have, the progressive space, I feel, and I think my, my co-chairs from the Women's March would share that it has been the most violent towards us as women of color. Um, the people who are, I'm progressive, I'm liberal. Those have become titles that have nothing to do with the meaning of what was supposed to be the essence of it. Um, I think that in every space, and I'm going to make this really short, because again, I don't have the, the, the deeper answer, but this is what I do know is at the foundation, is at the core. Every single person and leader in these progressive spaces, in philanthropy, foundations, all of, this, all of these industries, needs to ask themselves whether they have done racial justice work and deconstructing implicit bias within themselves, not within the organization, not within, you know, oh, well, we had some training that you sat on your cell phone and, you know, maybe you showed up for a few hours and then you had to go. No, I mean, personal work around deconstructing racism and implicit bias because until you actually put skin in the game, right, and until you put a level of, of, until you put yourself through the test, 
you're not even going to notice when it's happening around you. Because I've never understood how you could walk into some of these companies, even labor unions, mm-hmm. and find out that there are many people of color working and as members and as lower level staff persons, but in the leadership is white men running everything. So you have to ask yourself, you know, am I, am I also perpetuating systemic racism? Am I, am I perpetuating that? And then I think once you do that work, then you can begin to look at your numbers and your organization and your giving, your support, and your activities from a lens that, 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 is, that is personal, that you now have an understanding that, hey, I couldn't see these things before, but now that I've done the work, I'm able to look at my staff and realize that I have all of these people working for me and only, you know, maybe 2% of them are, are people of color and, and nobody's an African-American. Or maybe there's one and we throw that person in every campaign and on every call with black people because that's our token Negro. Mm. Well, sister, I just have two questions for I know you've been in running, so I don't want to take too much of your time. I thank you for your time. I just have really just two kind of closing out questions I think is important. First one really is, you know, um, what does I can't breathe mean to you? And what has it come to mean? I can't breathe means so many things. I think about kids with asthma in the Bronx, in New York, that can't breathe. You know, they couldn't breathe before COVID, but now they really can't breathe. I think about people across this nation, 100,000 plus individuals who have lost their lives with a respiratory disease, COVID-19, um, they couldn't breathe. Clearly, Eric Garner's cry that he couldn't breathe. And now, uh, George Floyd, I think about the two of them in the parallels of, I can't breathe. There's so many things. And activists, leaders, you yourself, Rev, when we're out here fighting and, and in these battles, we can't breathe. Sometimes our breathing is cut short. I know for sure that uh, my partner in Until Freedom, my son Lennon, when he was tear gassed the other day, he couldn't breathe. You're grateful. You're thankful that you have your breath, that even though God may have given you life and breath, there are so many factors. It's a real honor to be able to hold it because people's breath is really being taken from them every minute of the day. You know, we like we we focus our attention heavily on the George Floyds and the Eric Garners and others, you know, even Breonna Taylor. This young woman was shot eight times in her house, her breath was taken away, you know, and we focus on those stories because those people died and those stories are so, you know, so just so terrible. But we should also be focused on the fact that in New York City, in the name of social distancing, that these young brothers suffered, and and even one of them, an officer, was was uh, put on death duty, or he was challenged. He may have been fired. I can't even remember at this point. But he was reprimanded for sitting in the neck of 
of a young man on the street. So even when we're supposed to be trying to protect ourselves and one another, we can't breathe. We wear masks to protect ourselves. We can't breathe. We protest. We can't breathe. It's just a time when I think to your original point about allyship, we need all hands on deck. Because if not, and I, and you know, and I see what's happening, right? And we, as and people have said to me, well, we need to calm down tensions in the street. Yeah, we want, of course we want to calm it down. You think we want to see things burn? It gives you anxiety, makes me feel nervous. It stresses us out. So I, nobody wants to see that. But at the end of the day, I feel like we have been trying to relay to America for a long time that this problem was coming, that people we were working with and trying to trying to talk young people off the edge every single day, getting them off the ledge, telling them there's a better way. There's a better way to go about doing what it is that you're trying to do. And now we've, we've come to a place where there, there's a powder keg and it is in, and, and, and it's scary, you know? And so I hope that at some point we can all breathe again. Well, this is my last question, and and again, I thank you for your time. I guess this is actually this is this is this this is not deep water. I wouldn't, I, I, but I think it's important um, for you to answer this question. And I know you remember this back when we were when we were kids and younger. We had to do a little like a time capsule. So this is so this is my time capsule question for you. Um, I need you actually. You know, one of the things that we were fighting with the, with the climate movement, all movements, is the reality that. I mean, we're fighting literally for people to have clean air, clean water. We're also just fighting for, not just for equality, but for existence. So my question for you is this. I need you kind of speak to your future generations, you know, for your, your grandkids, grandkids, your kids' kids. So in 2120, 100 years from now, if they can get this and they're looking up to Mika Mallory and they're like, dang, that sister was bad. And they're looking up the same way we look at Martin and Malcolm and and Ella Baker and Fannie Lou, and we look at all of them, and they get this, and you can talk to them. If you can talk to that society in 2120, what would you want them to know? You know, I want them to know if about me. I never really think much about it, but I would like for people to know that sometimes folks say, well, she's fearless, and that's not true. I have fears. I have concerns. I understand that in this moment where people are engaged in an uprising in this country, and some of us have decided to be unapologetically black, that there's a target on our back. I understand that. And I feel it. And it, and, and it makes me nervous at times. I feel concerned for our, our people every minute of, of the day. But this is not a time for us to be unwilling. Even when your boots are shaking, they say you need to just tremble your way into the room and to the table. And I want people to know that I've trembled my way through platforms, into meetings, uh, down streets for marches. I've trembled my way into a lot of things, but I knew that it had to be done. And I stepped into to it, understanding that with God before me, there was no man 
that could be against me. And that no matter what might happen, no matter what the end result may be, I am still doing the work that I was sent here to do. And therefore, whatever happens is in divine order. So I guess that's what I would say would be the thing that I would want people to know is that, you know, again, I trembled my way into a lot of rooms um, and into a lot of situations, but I spoke on behalf of uh, the people that I love, the people that I, I claim to uh, represent, the people that I do represent. Powerful. If folks want to find you, if folks want to find Until Freedom, if folks want to donate to Until Freedom, to what you're doing, you're out in the road, you need some new clothes, you got we to gotta get you straight uh, out there fighting a good fight. Uh, uh, how can they find you? How can they, how can they donate? Uh, you know, all those things. Give them, those, give them those information now. People can go to Until Freedom. That's UntilFreedom.com. So UntilFreedom.com. You can donate on Cash App. You can donate on Venmo, Until Freedom, or you can donate um, on our website, www.untilfreedom.com. And then, of course, people can find me directly on all social platforms, social media platforms, at Tamika, T-A-M, as in Mary, I-K-A, D, as in Danielle, uh, which is my middle name, Mallory, Tamika D. Mallory. Awesome. Well, my sister... Thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Um, you know, Hip Hop Caucus, you know, we know what we are. You know, you are you are family all day, every day. Please tell everybody you with, be safe. And, you know, if you need anything, I mean anything, never hesitate to call us. We'll be right there for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate it. Love you so much. And the same to you. Whatever we can do to be supportive of, of your work. Let's, let's make it happen. Wherever we are in these pockets across America, we need to be spreading a message about our health and, our, and the climate anyway. And so we should just make sure that we're more tightly aligned. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us at Think100Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100% which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. Think